All right, good, mo- good afternoon, everybody. It's actually cooling down a little bit. Is it? Is it true? Still hot? I feel cooler because when I was leading praise, man, I was like, I felt like I was actually in a jimjibang. Body was just like soaked. So, yeah, it is our last day here at C. Robert's Boss. You know, I feel, I don't know, I just feel like, a, like, what's the word? How do you call it? Like, yeah, it's like bittersweet because, you know, when I, when I found this place, I just really felt like that, that we belonged here. Like, wow, you know, God's really going to give us a space, you know, like really. And he, we've had so much favor when it comes to this sanctuary. You know, the, the owner used to just, uh, you know, he used to help us arrange his chairs. Or, you know, like he, he sold us all his TVs. And, and he's just like, he's such a nice guy. And he showed us a lot of favor. And then uh, when we had to, when, when uh, the, he said that, you know, the new owners, you know, want to open on Sundays and we couldn't meet here anymore. I just felt like, man, God, I, I really believe that, you know, we're supposed to be here. I really believe that, uh, you know, it's, it's something, a place that you really want us to be. And so, like, God, what's, what's going on, you know? And then, you know, we came to church today. And today's actually one of the, the first hot days of the summer. And I realized, yeah, maybe we're not supposed to be here because these air conditioners, they're kind of booty. And uh, they don't work very well. And it's like, it's like an oven up in here. And so... Now, I really, I believe that God has a better place for us, a place that's marked uh, by His favor, that, sh- that's, you know, God really wants to just take us to, that's going to have better air conditioning, you know, a better space, and, you know, it's going to be a good place for us. And so please contend with us, you know, you know pray with us. Um, your, power, your prayers are powerful, prayers are effective. And so uh, pray for us in our new sanctuary. Uh, today, I'm going to continue our series on... Um, our core values of our church, and uh, you know we have nine core values. You know we go through them every week, and so you know the, we've had uh, the extravagant worship. Pastor John Newfeld came here and he preached about uh, being extravagant in worship. You know we we had uh, Pastor Mina. She she did freedom is for everyone. You know because uh, you know, not only for us, but it's for everybody. Every everyone that got, that's made in God's image. We believe that that they deserve freedom. I mean, and uh, I preached on Father the Fatherless a few weeks back. Um, it's it's one of our, our our core values that you know we a lot of us we got brought into a place of wholeness through fathers. You know, God 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 is wants fathers in this nation. You know, what I mean, you know why? Is because God is a father. He is our father, and He manifests the Father's heart. I mean, and and you know He can just like zap every one of us and make us all like happy people. But he chooses to use us. You know, he chooses to use you guys as fathers and to bring healing and bring wholeness, bringing wholeness into the lives of, of his people. And so that's another core value of ours is father, the fatherless. Uh, last week, Sister Lydia, she preached on uh, be faithful in the small things. And so, you know, like God, you know, he calls us to be faithful. You know, he, you know, like we don't get all of a sudden, you know, we don't, you don't become president overnight. You know what I mean, and there's things that, now God wants you to be faithful in, and in that faithfulness, you know, you, 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 God's gonna see the, the, just the, what's inside of you, and He's gonna raise you up, you know, and, and it's, when He breaks off all that pride, and when He, and when He increases humility in your life, to be able to f- be faithful in the small things, you know, when, when Pastor Christian tells you to, to mop this whole sanctuary, you know, you're like, man, I'm too good for that, man. You know what I mean? Like, it's that, it's not, it's, it's, it's that pride that rises up in us, but it's, when we're faithful in the things that God calls us to, you know, in the small things, then we, then He's going to entrust to us greater things. I mean, so right now, this, we, you know, me and Mina, 
and this church plant thing, we think this place right now is like, it's great. You know, we're like, wow, it's like, there's like almost 30 of you guys in here and we're like excited. But this is a small beginning. I mean, this is the, uh, this is, uh, this is a sign of what's like it's a sign of what's to come, but this is our small beginning, you know. And as as we're faithful in this small space, you know, there's there's prophetic word over us saying that we're going to be in the thousands, you know. Like Puzan, you know, Pastor Benjamin, he he prophesied over the seaside church plant, saying that we're going to be hitting the thousands. And so, as when we're faithful in the small things, God's going to raise us up into greater things for the kingdom of God. And today, I'm going to be preaching. Uh, our fifth core value is called anointing flows from the top down. And, uh, you know, a lot of people hear this and they kind of don't know what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, what is anointing and why is it flowing and top down? What is that all about? Um, and the, the Bible verse that, that we, you know, it's getting in the way. The Bible verse that we use, um, to, to kind of, uh, explain this comes from Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3. So let's turn our Bibles to Psalms. Psalms 133, verses 1 to 33. Okay. What was that? Alright. Uh, it's a very short psalm. It's only three, three verses. So we're going to be reading the whole, whole chapter today. Uh, I'll read the first verse. You guys read the second verse. And then I'll read the third verse again. Okay. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Um. And, and, you know, when, when you hear our core value, anointing flows from the top down, you guys might be wondering what the anointing is. I mean, like, what is the anointing? When I first heard the word anointing, you know, I, I, I kind of like anointing an ointment. It kind of like got, I thought it was something like an ointment, you know what I mean? Like something that kind of like gets put on us to kind of heal us. Um, what anointing actually means is to smear or to rub into or pour out into, you know, pour into. And it's almost like to marinate something. And Moses anointed his brother Aaron as a high priest. And when he, when he anointed Aaron, he like got this, this jug of oil and he just poured it all over him. I mean, it wasn't like, you know how some, sometimes, you know, we, we Christians, we get baptized and they get a little bit of water and they sprinkle it on your head, you know. It's not like that, you know. He, he took this jug of oil, you know, this olive oil, and he just poured it on his head, you know. And it ran from the top of his head down onto his beard, and it flowed onto his robe. And, and, and this symbolizes the presence of God in our lives. The anointing, what it is, is the presence of God given to us to fulfill his purpose and his calling. The anointing is God's presence. I mean, the way that the oil was poured over Aaron, God consumes us with his presence. And it's poured out onto us, and it's for a purpose. We get, we have the anointing for a purpose. Our vision statement for our church comes from Isaiah 61. Um, 61 verse 1, I'm going to read it to you. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prisons to those who are bound. You know, and when we read this, it says, the Lord has anointed me to, you know, He has anointed me to do something. You know, we don't receive the Holy Spirit just so that we're happy. And we don't receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that, you know, that we, we feel good about ourselves. That, you know, that we have good feelings. You know, that, that good things happen to us. We receive the Holy Spirit for a purpose. And it's for God's purpose. God has given you a purpose. To be a blessing to others. To go out and touch the lives of the people around you for the kingdom of God. The anointing gives you the sense of purpose in your life. Now, everyone in here, you guys have a gifting and you guys have a calling on your life. You guys might not think you do, but every single one of you, you guys are all made in God's image and every single one of you, you guys have a gifting and you guys have a calling on your life. And this gifting and this calling is, is irrevocable. Meaning, like, just because, you know, you, you don't want to do it doesn't mean it's, it, it, it's not there. You know, it doesn't just go away. But if we don't have the anointing, the presence of God working in our lives, covering us, we're not going to be able to totally understand the calling that's up over us. We're, we're, we're not going to be able to identify with the calling that God has for us without the anointing, without the presence of God. And the giftings that you have, they're not going to be of much power. It's in the anointing that gives you purpose. Why? Because we are here for God's glory, amen? We are here to give glory to God. It's not for our glory. It's not for our own purpose. And the more we remain in God's presence, under the anointing, we will know and understand God's true and perfect calling for our lives. That bring, that's the way that the anointing gives us purpose in our lives. You know, when I was a kid, my grandfather used to always say, like, you're going to be a pastor. My, my grandfather was a very, he was like a really good, cool, cool guy. You know, he, there's a church that he helped found, he found this church in Seoul. And if I go now, even now, if I go there and I tell him that I'm my grandfather's, you know, grandson, they all know him. Because there's pictures of him, like on the old, you know, the pictures of the people. You know, and like he was this great man of God. And he moved to, to LA, you know, in the 70s. And he started the dry cleaners and, you know, did all this, this great things. Had like, he had like eight kids, seven kids. You know, and, and he, and then I'm the oldest male out of, like, all of our, our, his grandsons, right? I'm the oldest male. And he used to always tell me, he's like, you're gonna be a pastor. I mean, like, you're the, you're a good looking kid. You're gonna be a pastor. And he's always like, look at me, and he's tell me that. You know? And I, and even, I, I did a lot of crazy things in my life, you know, I, I did drugs, I did prison, and all this stuff. But that, that thought really always stuck with me, like, this, 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 prayer that my, my grandfather prayed over me. is like, you're going to be a pastor. But it wasn't until I came under the covering of God, under the anointing of God, not until I started living in this presence did that, uh, did that calling become my destiny. And that calling became real to me. It became my calling when I came under the covering of God, under His anointing, under His presence. We need His anointing. We need His active presence in our lives. And if we're all walking in obedience, uh, in that place of intimacy with Him, honoring Him, and honoring those around us, His anointing is, is in us. It's with us. And His plans for us are, in our lives are fulfilled. His anointing is to fulfill His purpose. I mean, you might have your, you might think you were supposed to do this, but no, the anointing that's over you, the presence of God that's over you, 
is to fulfill his purpose. But the moment we allow disobedience in, the moment we find ourselves in rebellion, the anointing begins to move away. It starts to disappear. We must walk with the Lord. We must remain and abide in Him. In John fifteen seven, it says, He calls us to remain in Him and in His Word. And whatever we ask will be done for us. You know, in the Bible, there's a clear example of somebody that, that was anointed. And then because of sin and rebellion, you know, that anointing was removed from him. And it's King Saul. You know, King Saul was anointed by Samuel and by God to be king, the first king over Israel. You know, and it says in 1 Samuel 10 that the Spirit of God came upon him and he did great things. You know, he, he was a great king. At the beginning of his kingship, he was a great king. He won many battles. You know, he was able to show mercy and justice. You know, he was a great king. But soon pride and fear and disobedience started to take root in his heart. And he was rebuked by God. You know, several times. And finally, ultimately, he was rejected by God. And as, and, and Samuel, when he was sent by God to pick the new, next king, and which was David, and we read this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 13 to 14. You don't have to look it up, I'll read it, but it says, we see, in it, we see just how important the anointing of God is on somebody's life. It says in verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. He's talking about David. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. The anointing that was on Saul to be king, because he was disobedient, not walking with the Lord, it left him. The giftings and the call of the Lord on our lives is irrevocable. But you have, no matter what you do, it's going to be on your life. But you have to make a choice whether you're going to walk in the Spirit or you're going to walk in disobedience. And it's only by the anointing that you're going to fulfill the purposes that He has for your life. Now, the anointing gives you a sense of purpose. When you're walking without the anointing, you don't know what you're doing sometimes. Now, sometimes, you know, I, I can feel that, that anointing is not on me. I'm like, man, what am I doing? Like, God, what am I here why am I, what do you mean I'm a pastor? You know what I mean? And then I, I look to myself and I look at the root of the problem and I realize there's some kind of sin in my life. You know what I mean? That's blocking the anointing. And when I pray and confess, that anointing comes back. The presence of, of God comes back in my life and it, it, it gives me purpose. It tells me, it shows me exactly why I'm here. Now, there's moments when I feel like, what am I doing in, here in Busan, God? And what am I doing here? And I, felt, I feel like I'm acting. You know, it's because the anointing has kind of come away from me. The presence of God has been kind of removed in a sense for me to understand that I need the anointing. You know, and I want you guys to know that there is a difference between gifting and anointing. Now we see this in musicians. You know, like there are people that are gifted musically. You know, they can learn the guitar, they can learn the piano, they can learn the drums, and they're on pitch, they're on beat. You know, they're in tune, and they're technically, they're they're perfect technically they're really skilled but when somebody is anointed you know it's not the skill that that does it but it's the anointing that helps them usher the presence of god into into worship you know when that it's the anointing it's not the technical skill that brings in the anointing and, and the presence of god into 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 worship 
You know, case in point, we have a brother in Itaewon campus named Brian Kim. You know, and he said his testimony at the retreat. But, um, yeah, like he'll be the first one to tell you that he's not a very good musician. I mean, he'll be the first one to tell you that, you know, that he's a little bit tone deaf and he's a little bit off, to, off key and off tune sometimes. You know, and when his friends from back in New York found out that he was leading worship, they kind of laughed. You know, they were kind of like, whoa, Brian's leading worship? Isn't he like tone deaf? No, but, but when, when he, but in his obedience, when Pastor Christian called on him to lead worship, and in his obedience, he took the praise team under him, and he, he started leading the praise team. And then we really found out what an anointed person can do in worship. We were, we were able to take, he was able to take our praise to like a whole new level. You know, before that, you know, we had good praise. But then he came in, and then the anointing just shifted the atmosphere. And it really brought a whole new level of worship into our church. And that's the anointing. You know, that new ceiling of worship came through the anointing. And so how do we allow that anointing to grow? How do we have the presence of God in our lives? And the answer comes from a relationship with Him. It starts with seeking Him and praising Him and encountering Him in the Word of God. It's being in that place of intimacy where, where you're communicating him on a, with Him on a personal level. When you read the Bible, it's not like reading a book, but it's like, like asking God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation to seek out what ex- exactly and pinpoint what He has to say to you. And it's reading the Word, expecting God to speak to you and communicating with Him. That's how you receive the anointing. That's how you receive His presence on your life. It comes from a relationship with Him. But it doesn't end there. The anointing of God over us doesn't end with us. But it continues on through fellowship. Now, fellowship is a critical part of growing our anointing. And so let's go back to the psalm that we read back in one, Psalm 133. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down the beard of the, the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robe. You know, the oil here symbolizes the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the, and the Bible has many symbols for the Holy Spirit. He has water. You know, he's, he's described as water. He's described as wind and as fire sometimes. And he's described as a dove falling from the, the sky. Um, but here, you know, he's, he's, he's compared to as oil. And it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit here is the oil. And here we see the oil being poured over Aaron. You know, and Aaron was a high priest. He was a symbol of Jesus Christ, our great high priest who is the head of the church. And it starts from the top and it flows down onto his beard and into his robe. And I'm going to demonstrate how that symbolizes the anointing God, <clears throat> the anointing of God and how it flows through us, through honor. That it goes from the people that are above us and it goes through us and it goes into the people that are below us. And when we look at this passage, how does this anointing flow? You know, it says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And, and what brings forth this unity, you know, what brings the unity together in this anointing, it, and it's the word honor. Honor brings us unity. And it's the honor that brings the flow of the anointing. If you want the anointing to truly flow in your life, you have to establish a culture of honor. We have to establish honor in our lives. Now, I've been on many mission trips with New Philly, and I led a, quite a few mission trips. And um, 
You know, we have a, a missions director named Lisa Kim. She used to be Mina's roommate for many years. You know, and I remember the first mission trip that I went on was back in like 2009. It was to India. And we had a team. that It was a great team. But, you know, we had a lot of like conflicts. You know, and leading up to the, the day of the trip, you know, we had so much conflict within the team. You know, it was really hard to really come together in unity. And soon after that, Pastor Christian really established a culture of honor on our church. You know, he really established um, just honoring one another and honoring our leaders and honoring just each other no matter what we do. And, you know, Sister Lisa really took that to heart because every mission trip that I went on with her after that, she just wanted honor. She's like, we have to honor. You know, she really took it to heart. And I remember that every, I've been on many trips with Lisa and every trip that I go on, you know, we're so honorable to each other. And she really brings it out in us. And we really honor the leader. We really honor each other. And, and since then, this, the, the teams that have been going out has been so harmonious. And there's just been so much power in that unity that's formed amongst the team. And that anointing, you know, those teams that are out right now, that anointing wouldn't be as powerful if there, was, if there wasn't that honor, you know, between the members and the leader and the, between the members and each other. Honor brings the anointing. And I want you guys to envision a waterfall. I want you guys to all close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes. All right, don't fall asleep. I know it's kind of warm in here. Close your eyes and envision a waterfall, okay? I'm not talking about those small waterfalls that you see in Jejudo. I'm talking about a, a huge, mighty waterfall. You know, like Niagara Falls or like the ones in South America that are just like these huge waterfalls. Okay, envision those waterfalls. And when you envision this waterfall, there's three things that are there, okay? There's the top of the waterfall, okay, the source of the waterfall. And every waterfall that you see is always connected to a mighty rushing river. Now, you never get a waterfall from a puddle. You don't get a waterfall from like a stream. You get a waterfall from a rushing water. And at the bottom of that waterfall, there's that mist that comes up. You know what I mean? And then that waterfall always flows into another river that's going out. You know, that water at the bottom of the waterfall doesn't ever just stay there. It's always moving out. It's always going out. And then there's the actual waterfall, the water that's falling. Falling from top to bottom. I want you guys to open your hand, open your eyes. You know, and if we if we look at that waterfall, the top of the waterfall symbolizes symbolizes God and how He pours His Spirit upon us. You know, that source, that source of 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 just that waterfall is, is our is our God. Our God pours out His Spirit upon us. He pours out His presence upon us. It's that love, that anointing that God pours out into us. You know, that's the source of that waterfall. And it's always powerful. You know, the waterfall is only as powerful as a river that's flowing into it. Now, you can't have this powerful waterfall and from like a trickle of water. And you can't have this powerful rushing, just, just rushing river that's flowing and then this waterfall be like a, like a faucet. You know what I mean? It's the source of the waterfall. It's his, it's his power. And that's our God. That's our God just pouring out His Spirit upon us. And at the bottom of the waterfall, we have the body of water that's flowing out into the distance. And this symbolizes our calling. 
It's the purpose of God in our lives. Because without that waterfall, that, that it's just dry land. Without that waterfall, it's parched and dry land. It's lifeless. But with the anointing of God being poured into it, we have life. And it goes out. It goes forth. And it's like our calling. I mean, everything that, that, that's flowing out from this, from this rushing river is for a purpose. It's for the callings that God's placed over your life. And the waterfall itself symbolizes you and me. It symbolizes the church. You know, by ourselves, we're just another trickle of water. But when we come together in unity, we are a mighty waterfall. We are a mighty torrent that can bring a river of life into a dry and parched land. And it's the places of God that's calling us into. And I want you to imagine yourself in that waterfall as this trickle of water. Okay, You have the water flowing on top of you. You have the water flowing out under you. And then it's the water flowing through you. And that's the purpose of the anointing. It's not just for you to receive it, but it's for you to flow out. You know, it's if you're just sitting in the middle and just receiving, 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 and nothing's flowing out of you, you're, you're, like, a, you're like a dam. You're just blocking everything. I mean, you're blocking the flow. It needs to flow through you, and it needs to flow out of you. You have to receive to give. And in this picture, we see the essence of our core value. Anointing flows from the top down. God wants you to honor those above you, Okay, so that you're not blocking that flow. And He wants you to receive everything that those above you have for you. And He also wants you to honor those below you. To open up and now release that anointing into the world. And in this picture of the waterfall, God wants you to go up the waterfall and increase. To have more influence and to be able to bless and touch more people's lives. That is what God wants for our lives. And it's the anointing that flows from the top to the bottom. And it starts with honor. I want us to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 19. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 19. If you're there, say amen. 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 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 19. I'll read it for us. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. God commands us to submit to our authorities, but not just in the church, not just in your government, in your jobs. It means He wants us to submit to all of our authorities that are over us. But He doesn't want us to just submit. But God tells us to honor them. He says, honor everyone, especially your leaders. Now, honor is a constant respect 
you know, constant esteem, blessing, blessing people. You know, true honor is blessing and respect regardless of how you are treated. He says you don't just honor the good and gentle masters, but you, you honor even the unjust. It doesn't matter how they, you know, how they treat you. It doesn't matter how they love you. You know, it doesn't matter how you conduct, it doesn't matter how they conduct themselves to you. It's gonna, you're gonna always conduct yourself the same way. You know, you're ruled by, by who you are in God. And you'll honor and you'll bless and you'll love everyone. That is the culture of honor. How you react is not based on other people's actions towards you. It's based on who, who God is in you. You know, when we look at the Bible, we see men like Joseph, Daniel, and David who are treated very unjustly. You know, they had harsh masters. You know, people that were very oppressive over them. You know, Joseph was beaten up by his brothers, you know, and sold off into slavery. And he ends up in pot, like a slave in Potiphar's house. You know, and he gets accused of rape and he gets sent to prison, you know. And he had all these oppressive just people over him. You know, David served King Saul and would try to kill him. <laughs> like numerous times. You know, imagine if you you have a hagwon job and your hagwon, you know, one jang name comes up to you one day and looks at you funny and then chucks a spear at you, you know what I mean? Like you know, like that's that's what David was living through. He was he he had this oppressive master over him. And Daniel, he served a master that slaughtered his people, brought him into exile, and made him a eunuch. You know, and how would you feel? And yet, in the face of their oppressive masters, these men showed honor. I mean, they showed love and respect. They knew what they, they knew that they belonged to another, a higher power, a greater master that they served. And they didn't let them steal their joy. They knew that they were in God and they chose to love, they chose to honor, and they chose to bless. Despite how they were treated. And God blessed them for it. When you look at Joseph, when you look at Daniel, when you look at David, they are some of the most honored men in the Bible. And it comes with them living a life of honor. And, and you might be asking, how do you grow in this culture of honor? You know, like, I want to honor everybody. And how do I do this? You know, you can't decide one day to just honor people. And it doesn't happen. It takes time. And you, you have to really work at it. And the first step in creating the culture of honor in your life is to pray. Especially for your leaders. You, know, you have to pray for the people that are over you. Because Satan's first sin was rebellion against God. His first sin was pride. You know, thinking that he was better than God. And this being his first sin, it's also his first attack against most people. You know, he uses rebellion. He uses pride. And the only way to counterattack this attack from Satan it's to pray. And you have to pray and see people the way that God sees them. When you start praying for people, the lenses of the world fall away and you see people the way that God sees them. You see them as made in the image of God. You see them as someone that God loves. You see them as someone that God cherishes. Someone that's worth serving. Someone that's worth loving. Someone that's worth honoring. You have to make this come from your prayers. And then continuing on, it doesn't just end with prayer. But Peter tells us, by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. By doing good. You, know, you should do good to people around you. Not just honor them, but bless them and serve them. 
It says that Jesus came as a servant to all. And if your basis of love is based on performance of others, your love is false. Now, if you say like, you know, I love, I love everyone, but you know, that guy's kind of funny. That guy, he acts a little weird. And so, you know, I'm just going to kind of stay away from him. You know, like, oh yeah, you know, like, I love, I love everybody. I love you. You know, but not those people over there because, you know, they're, they're pagans. You know, they, you know, they're, they're just, they're just wrong. So, you know, I'm just going to love on you guys. But, you know, them, I'm just going to kind of ignore. Now, this is, this is, this is not the unconditional love that God calls for us in the Bible. It's a false love. It's a love that's based on condition. It's a love that's based on works. No. It's not true love. It's a, it's a love that you have to earn in order to receive. And the thing about this is you, re- you, you receive what, you reap what you sow. Now, if you put standards upon people of how much honor to give them, how much love to give them, and what type of people to love, you know, that same standard is going to be put upon you. It's like unforgiveness. It says in the, in, in the, in the Word, and it says in the Lord's Prayer, you know, forgive those who, are wrong, who have wronged you like the way that God has forgiven you. But if you don't forgive, if you don't forgive your brother, God's not going to forgive you. You reap what you sow, and it's the same with honor. If you put a standard of who to honor and who to love, you know, put a standard on, on who to respect. You know, I can respect these people, but not those people. Those same kind of standards are going to be put on you. And you are able to receive only so much of your anointing and blessing that God has for you. You are cutting off that flow. And it's like that waterfall example. You're putting a wall between the flow, between the, the flow of the waterfall and you. You have to show honor. You have to bless. You have to serve everyone. When you look at Jesus, he washed the feet of his disciples, including Judas. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that you know Judas was going to stab him in the back. But he, he chose to wash his feet anyways. He, show, he chose to honor him. He chose to respect him. Despite what he was going to do. And it was an unconditional love that he was showing. And if you look in the Bible, in the book of Numbers, there's accounts of the Israelites. We see clearly these examples of what the dangers of not submitting to authority, the dangers of dishonoring and disrespecting and not loving. You know? And we have this example of Moses. You know, he's leading the Israelites into the promised land. And then there's uh, this Miriam, his sister, and Aaron, his brother, and one day they just start to gossip again, uh, uh, about Moses. They start disrespecting him. You know, they start second-guessing him, saying, you know what? Man, he's not that great. You know, he got that big beard, but, you know, what else has he got? You know, They start, like, disrespecting him. They stop honoring him. And then, you know, God, like, punishes them and gives them, give Miriam leprosy. I mean, and, and when, when Moses cries out to him, like, Lord, you know, cries out to heal Miriam, God limits that leprosy to only seven days. I mean, but, but then there's that, the, 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 the weight that God places on the honor of his people. You know, you can see that God really, he's, oh, he's all about honor. And, and when there's that disrespect, when there's that dishonor, you know, God really, he really hates that. And there's, right after that, you know, there's these sons of Korah that came against Aaron and Moses. You know, they're like, they did the same thing. They almost, they almost raised up this revolt against Moses saying like, you know, what do you know? You know, like, we're all the same as you. You know, you, we're, 
you know, like, why do you think that you're better than us? You know, no, you're no better than us. And they try to, to build this rebellion against Moses. And then God just tells them, you know, like, Moses and Aaron, step aside. They kind of step aside. And then the ground just opens up from under them and swallows them up whole. There's whole family and everything that they possess. You know, that's, that, that's the heart of God. That's, 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 his, that's God's, like, understanding towards honor. You know, he really, he really values honor in his people. And when you dishonor his people, you know, there's, there's a price to pay. The Israelites and the Moses is, is also, they sent out 12 spies into the, into the promised land. And 10 of them came back with a bad report. And then the ones that came back with a bad report, they started, like, raising up dissension among the people, saying, like, you know what? You know, this, this, this is crazy. There's giants living over there. We can't, you know, we can't defeat them. Now, why did Moses drag us out into this wilderness for, to just to get defeated by these people? We had a better life back in Egypt. I want to go back to Egypt. And they start dishonoring what God has been doing. They start dishonoring who God has anointed to be the leader over, over, over this nation. And, they, and these people start dishonoring them. And then God, you know, God like calls them on that. And then everybody, you know, all the people that were in that, in, in, in that generation, none of them got to see the promised land. Only two people that got to see was a guy named Joshua and another guy with a cool name named Caleb. You know, Joshua and Caleb were the only two people of that generation that were able to see the promised land. And for everybody else, it was their children that went into the promised land. You know, that's, that's, what, that's the weight that God places on honor. You know, brothers and sisters, God calls us into a culture of honor and blessing, love and respect. That's how he causes people to live. Now, when I was in prison, and some of you guys might be like, what? But I was in prison for a while, you know, and I re- interacted with a lot of gang people. Like, there's a lot of gang members in prison. You know I mean, and, you know, when you look at the, like, the gang lifestyle, they treat other, each other with honor. And it's like this weird thing where just amongst themselves, there's a lot of honor. They, they, they like, they respect each other. There's just like this mutual respect and honor, you know, to everybody else, they're evil and destructive. Like everybody else that live in their neighborhood, you know, they're going to shoot them up, sell drugs, whatever. But within each other, there's this, this code of honor amongst gang members. I mean, and it goes to show that even Satan realizes the value of honor that is able to bring people together. It's a twisted and counterfeit way, you know, that Satan does this. But even he knows that, that, that honor, you know, the, the, the value and the power of honor. You know, there's a saying that there's honor amongst criminals. But in the honor that God calls us into, true honor, it, life flows from it. Blessings flow from it. Anointing flows from honor. God, does, God just doesn't call us to, to honor and bless one another, above the people above you. No, He calls you to honor the ones below you as well. In 1 Peter 3.7, I'll read it to you. Likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I should read this verse more. But God created man to be the head of the family. And if you read before in the verse, it talks about how the wife needs to submit and obey and honor her husband. But this passage doesn't just relate to marriage, but it, it relates to any area of authority. Just like in 1 Peter chapter 2, whether it's the head of a church, 
whether it's a head of an organization, a company, a school, you are called to honor and bless the people that are above you. But that leader, that person of authority is also called to honor and bless those below him. Because if they don't, it says in the prayer that, it says in the, in, in the word that, the, that his prayers will be hindered. That word hindered in the Greek means to cut off, prevent, to block. Basically, it means if the leader is not showing honor to the people that are below him, that, the prayers, his prayers aren't being heard. They're being blocked. And I want to say this. It just, it, it is, it's not just for pastors or for the president of a company, for the president of a school. It's not just for teachers and leaders. It's for anyone that has influence. If you have influence in someone's life, you are supposed to show them honor. If you have a small group, you know, if you're teaching children, I just started teaching children last week. You know, it's hard to honor first, you know, like first graders. But you know, even God's saying, calling us to honor the children that we, we teach. If you have a younger sibling, God calls you to honor your younger sibling. If you have someone in your life that you have influence over, God calls you to honor them. You are called to share that anointing that you received and to bless them. And some of you guys might be saying, well, you know, I don't have influence. You know, I don't, I don't want to be somebody of influence. You know, I don't want to have like power over people. For those of you guys, I want, I want to tell you that you're not living by God's will. Because God tells us to go out and make disciples of all nations. Amen? He says, He commands us to go out and make disciples. He calls us to go out and make disciples and then have influence over people. If you feel like you have no influence, I, I, I implore you to pray. Pray and ask God for people in your life that you can love, that you can sow into, that you can bless, that you can pour and feed into. People that you can start honoring and blessing. And showing the love of God to. And when you are in that place of authority, no matter where you are, you're, you're charged, you're, you're charged of making that anointing flow. You know? If you're in that place of influence, God calls you to make that anointing flow. Whether it's at your work, whether it's at your school, or in your small group, or even a bar down the street, wherever you go, you carry God's presence. You carry the presence of God. The anointing, the anointing of God is on you. And it's your duty to make that anointing, the presence of God, flow through you into the atmospheres that you go into. And through the anointing, you have the power to change people's lives, to transform them, to bring freedom into their lives. So, don't, so the anointing flows from the top down. And it flows through you, through honor. But what happens when the authority above you, your boss, your small group leader, your, your pastor, whoever it is, what happens when, that, when the authority above you is restricting the anointing? You know, they're not showing you love. They're not showing you honor. They're not showing you respect. What do you do? How do you honor them? You know, if you look in Ezekiel 34, there's a promise of punishment for those who do not release the anointing. Punishment for the leaders who do not tend to their sheep. So you don't have to worry about your pastor or your boss having this control over you forever. You having to be like a slave. You know, Joseph, he wasn't worried that he was going to be in, in prison forever because he knew that God was with him. He knew that God was a lifter of his head. But I want to check you for a second because 
you know, if you look, hear this promise that, you know, there's this, there's this punishment for, for your leaders that are over you that are treating you bad, if there's this, this, almost this kind of joy, almost this like a satisfaction that comes over you when you hear this, I want you to check yourself. If you think like, wow, they're getting what they deserve. You know, because God has placed these leaders into your life to bless you and to feed into you and to strengthen you. It doesn't matter how tough they are to you. It doesn't matter how offensive or profane your boss may be. You know, you have to pray for them. And it doesn't matter how they treat you. It doesn't matter what kind of attitude they have towards you. You have to be steady. You have to love. You have to bless. And you leave it in God's hands. You leave it in the hand of our God. You leave it to God. You use faith in knowing that God's going to turn it all around for your good. Now there might be a time when you feel led to confront or correct somebody above you. But I want to tell you to be careful. Your pastor might be offensive and rude and say things that offend you. But in 1 Timothy 5.17, it says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. Now, God expects great honor for those that are above you. And if you are a true son, what you will do is look away and cover your father's nakedness. You will show grace. And you will show honor. Now, in the story of Noah, you know, Noah, one day he got drunk. I don't know what kind of alcohol they had back then, but he just had a little too much of it. And, and fell asleep naked somewhere. I mean, and then he had a son. He had a son. I think his name was Hammond. Ham. 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 And he, like, he was like, ah, look at Noah. Look at, look at dad. He's naked. What's he doing on the ground? Ha ha ha. Hey, brothers, come here. Look at our naked father sleeping drunk on the ground. You know? He pointed out, he pointed out the flaw, the offense that his father did. He's like, ah, look it. Everybody, everybody look. Everybody stare. But then he had these other two sons. No, and they honored him. And they didn't even look at his, the naked father. They turned around. They both put this, 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 this sheet over their shoulders. They walked backwards. And then they covered their father's nakedness. And if you look at the descendant that, that kind of gossiped and pointed at, at Noah, you know, he had a curse. There was a curse that came over him and a curse that came over his descendants. But the two that showed honor and grace, that covered up the offense, they were blessed. They were blessed and they were honored. You need to you understand the higher the person is, you need to just honor them that much more. You need to know that God is in control. That it's not your job to correct everybody. It's not your job to correct your boss. It's not your job to correct your pastor. You know, God doesn't need you to point out the flaws of the people that are over you. But God calls you to honor and love and respect and bless your leaders. And you use faith once again. You use faith. You put it in the hands of God. You act in faith. And if you're truly acting in faith, you will pray. You will pray for your leader. And you will bless them. It says in Proverbs 21.1, In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels towards all who please him. You know, in the biblical days, you know, when a, when a king needed to be corrected or confronted, God sent a prophet. Right? God would send a prophet 
And if the king repented, you know, he would bless him. But if he didn't, you know, there'd be like you know, distance and then he would judge him. But you have to understand that it's in the hand of God. You know, like nobody just went up to a king and said, hey, king, you, know, you suck at what you're doing. Like, why don't you king better? You know what I mean? But you leave it in the hand of God. You have to leave it in the hand of God. Know that. Trust the Lord. And act in faith by allowing God to handle the situation. And you respond with honor and blessing. And so you can be at peace. And know that the, the leaders of the church are going to take care of you. And if they don't, you need to pray for them. And you need to continue to show honor and bless, it, and bless them. And the, the message today is about anointing of God flowing down. And it flows through you, through a culture of honor. And I want you to close, I want to close by taking you back to that analogy of the waterfall. You know, God desires for you to go up that waterfall. Not for your glory, but for His glory. You know, he wants you to have more authority in your life. He wants you to have more influence. You know, and when you submit to your authorities above you, when you receive humility, you know, you get a servant's heart. As you grow in your selfless, selfless love, you know that no, and you, no matter what situation is, you love and you honor and you bless. God's gonna lift you up. You know, God will lift you up, and He's gonna increase the influence in your life because you have proven proven yourself worthy. Last week, you know, Pastor Lydia, she she said she spoke a message about be faithful in the small things, and if you if you truly take that message to heart and you're being faithful in the small things, you're on your way of going up, that, going up that waterfall. You are on your way of receiving more of God's anointing on your life so that you can bless the people around you, that you can bless the people under you, that anointing can flow through you. So I implore you, church, show honor to the people above you and below you. And no matter what, what they're like, Show honor and bless with no favoritism. Like it, like it says in First Peter, honor everyone. Bless everyone. Love everyone. So that the anointing that, is in, that God pours out like that rushing river, God's pouring that anointing on you. So that anointing can flow through you and you can be a blessing to many. Let's pray. You know, I want us to have a chance to respond. And, you know, th- there might be p- authorities over your life. There might be authorities in your life that you don't agree with. There might be people in your life that that's over you, that you feel are, are not good at what they're doing, that you feel are, are not blessing you, are not honoring you. And I want to I give you a chance to really respond to what God calls us to do and pray for them right now. Now, I want you to pray for the people that have authority over you, whether it be your parents, whether it's a boss, whether it's somebody that's in your life that has that authority. I want you to to pray and bless them. If God calls you to bless somebody right now, I want you to bless them and pray for them. I want us to pray right now. Ask God, give you the grace to bless your leaders, to bless your authorities. Even though they might be not honorable, even though they might be not respectful, that you can 
you can bless them and love them and serve them. And through that blessing and through that honor, that God's anointing, God's manifest power, His presence can flow through you and bless the people under you. And you can be a blessing to many. You can be a blessing. I want I want us to pray. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, and I pray that you will help us to be a people of honor, God. I pray, Lord, that all of us, that we will be able to look at authority and honor and bless them, God. Because that's what you call us to do. You call us to to bless everyone, to honor everyone, to love unconditionally, to serve people, and to be a blessing, God. And I pray, Lord, that as we do that, God, that you're anointing the anointing that you have on our callings, the anointing that you equip us with to fulfill the callings that you place in our lives, that we will be able to to, to use to take that anointing and bless the people around us, God. That we will be like that waterfall that receives from the outpouring of your Spirit, God. And that Spirit flow through us and in us and out of us that we can flow into a mighty river, God, and touch the lives of the people that are around us, God touch the lives that you have called each and every one of us to, Lord. You have called us to ministry. You have called us, God. There's callings on our lives, God. And we pray, Lord, that that anointing will flow from top to bottom. That anointing, that the anointing of God will flow through us, God. And help us to be a vessel to bless, to honor, to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring freedom into the land into the dry and parched land God we thank you Lord we thank you for your anointing we thank you for your manifest presence in our lives God that you choose to have this relationship that you called us into this relationship and we come into your presence God we come into the presence of God into your presence Lord we thank you Lord we bless your name in Jesus name we pray